0: Welcome to the Moons Room, OG3 here today, and it is a very special day. Now, I am going to break our podcasting fourth wall, so we are recording today on February 25th, and this is, I mean, basically a national holiday.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: (laughs) It is the birthday of one Dr. Bradley J. Hines.
1: Happy birthday, sir.
0: I wish I had those little like party (laughs) things.
2: Exactly. (laughs) I thank you.
0: Oh my gosh. So it is the 15th anniversary of Bradley's 30th birthday. So happy birthday to you. So glad that you're spending your birthday with us.
2: Yes. Well, I was chatting about with my uh, student workers the other day. I am a bicentennial baby, if you know what that is. We had this whole conversation for a long time about a bicentennial baby. You know what that is?
0: You were born on the bicentennial year?
2: Bicentennial year of the U.S., 1776 to 1976. Everybody born in 1976, moi, considered bicentennial babies. A
0: bicentennial baby. Otherwise, what you're like a lame Gen Xer, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I'm a Gen Xer. Yep, yep. Late, later Gen X. Oh, yeah. Explains yeah. a few. Call things. me whatever, whatever you.
0: <laughs> you know, can all be fit. cool, awesome millennials like.
2: That's right, and Joseph.
0: And well, Bradley is another year older. I don't know if he's another year wiser, thirty pounds lighter. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> yes, and so so we let for Bradley's birthday bash. That's the title of this episode. We let Bradley pick what we were going to talk about. And do you think anybody's going to guess what it's about guys?
1: I'm
2: almost positive that everyone will know exactly. what. It's Everybody about. knows
0: what are we talking about? Bradley
2: we're putting a sensor in it. Put Absolutely. a
0: sensor in it. Yes, sir.
1: I haven't talked about sensors exclusively for a long time. I mean, I think we were, it might've been way back in the, of episodes so 40 episodes ago somewhere in there yeah. we've been neglecting it and today is the perfect day to talk about sensors since we're celebrating Dr. Bradley J. Hines's birthday it, it's <laughs>
0: the king of sensors
1: yeah it's it's just time Emily and I tried to come up with some questions to make this go and since Bradley is the king of sensors some of the things that we really want to know are where are this is, we? Now? This
0: is hard hitting journalism.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the big question is like, where are we now? You know, what what is considered normal now in the dairy industry uh, for sensors in terms of sensors that that no one would have been thinking about 20 years ago?
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of sensors, um, their novelty has now kind of worn off. And yeah, they're they're a much more, you know, typical part of day-to-day.
2: You know they have exploded in the last five to 10 years on dairy farms. Even when you think about it on, you know, there's two sort of farms that have sensors. One is, you know, regular dairy farm with a parlor that may have sensors for heat detection systems. And then you have robots, you know, whatever robot system you may have, they all have sensors. All the cows have sensors for uh, measuring, you know, everything about a cow in a robotic system. So uh, the robots have probably, you know, increased sensor usage by quite a lot, but even regular dairies. When we, we started with our sensor system in oh, eight years ago in 2013, and they weren't, you know, as popular back then. And there were some farms that had them, but it wasn't a lot. So, but now you, it's kind of mainstream and a lot of farms uh, have them for many different ways and things to do.
1: You said you started w- way back in 2013, which seems like a long time <laughs> ago, especially since 2020 was like 10 years long. But um,
0: but even a part of me, I'm like, oh, 2013, that was just a couple of years
1: oh ago. Oh, yeah, that's, that's exactly. definitely in my head. It wasn't
2: that well. long ago. But
0: That's the year I graduated college, my undergrad. The,
1: where the goal today is not to make Bradley feel old. It's his birthday. <laughs> but
0: he is old. <laughs>
1: okay. So back in 2013, you started with sensors. <laughs> I've always wondered, Bradley have you always been in love with sensors or was there like a danger period in there where you're like, I don't know about these. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not gonna actually get into these.
2: I have like technology for a long time. So, you know, I always had to have the new, new computer and the new software and all that stuff. So I have like sensors and technology. You know, I first, well, I shouldn't say I actually, I had my first sensor here in 2011. And it was an old grazing monitor with this huge, imagine a big power box on the side of a cow is really what it was. And it was oh, clumsy why? and it was hard to download data. And I kind of gave up on it after a while because it was so difficult to use.
0: Quick aside, I'm picturing a cow carrying like a boom box on its shoulder. Like
1: <laughs> I like
2: that. Street. Maybe we'll have to make oh, some that's, artwork of that. That's about... Yeah. That's a, about the size of it. You know?
0: Oh my gosh. And, and so what was that meant to measure?
2: Uh, grazing behavior. So, uh, okay. uh, biting of grass, uh, you know, ruminations, things like that. And like activity or like how act- far they travel. Uh, no, it didn't measure that. It just mm-hmm. measured eating behavior. So it was Ay. only in the mouth. So it wasn't a, a pedometer or anything that measured, um, walking or steps. So just, just eating behavior. Interesting. And then I got grant money, of course. Grant money, grant money, grant money. We'll, honey, we'll, we'll, we'll say all the ter- terms that Brad likes to talk about.
0: Today. It's Brad's day.
2: No, a very generous uh, grant from USDA to do some organic dairy research, and it sort of really started my career, really. And in that, we we put sensors in the system to be able to record uh, activity and rumination of of our cows on pasture. And it had really just come out. Um, well, it was. It's. I guess now it would be the Allflex uh, SCR system, or you know SCR. Back in the day, it was Heat Time, what whatever you want to call it. That's the one we started with, uh, because it was the only one available in the U.S. at the time. Um, that was the first one on the market, so that's why we we started with it. Some of the, and we've increased our sensors over the years to many more. But that's why we started with that one collar system. We like the rumination and the activity, and uh, we've used a lot of it for research studies and even in breeding our herd when we first started, I was a little skeptical with it. you know we started using it, we started out with just a hundred cows in our you know two hundred and fifty, so we didn't have it on everybody and you know some of us is trying to train workers to get them to use the sensor and trust it because we were so used to using. Heat patches for breeding. Now you say nope. Use the sensor, and they all go. Nah, I don't know. I don't. I don't trust this. So it took us a while. Uh, it took us probably a couple breeding seasons for the workers to actually start trusting the system fully. Um, and it's it's worked uh, well. And uh, we we still have the that system today amongst many others, but uh, still utilize that same uh, SCR system on. We have it on all of our cows now.
1: I feel like the next obvious step is like, okay, so like Emily kind of said, the novelty of some of these systems is kind of worn off, right? And is that something we're seeing in the industry? I mean, sensors were steadily climbing their utilization up and up and up and up. But now is the market gone completely the other direction? It's
2: saturated and, you know, what is it over too overwhelming in the other direction now? Well, there's... Now there's so many sensors just eight years ago, there was really just one in the u s market, and now there's a lot of them, so at some and and they're included in robotics and now they're included in milking parlor systems, so that's you know it's helped increase the sensors so there's a lot of them. Are they really novel anymore? Not really you know a lot of the sensors do the same thing based on what you know what company or what sensor you choose from they all do it a little bit differently some you know have rumination and feeding behavior others don't but for the most part most people got into sensors for breeding breeding purposes and that's why Mm -hmm. they really started with them and but now they've advanced into a lot more and and for the sensors to to remain in the market they want they got to be different You, you just can't have the same old thing so everybody's different now they some are and boluses, some do location, some, you know, there's lots of different feeding behaviors, you, you name it. So they're all trying to distinguish themselves from each other based on certain aspects that their customers may want.
0: Okay, can I ask my question, Joe? Oh, yeah, I think it's, a per-
1: it's the perfect time to, oh, to ask scared. it. Yeah. We've I'm scared.
0: Well, we're, well, no, we're just segueing into <laughs> the like other sensor technologies. And I am really interested because you know the, the milk quality expert that I am um, in the inline sensors that you can put in milk lines. What say you on those, Bradley J?
2: What say me on these? Um, I really like them. I want, obviously I want the company's researchers to work with them and to improve them. Um, I, I think that's the next wave of, of figuring things out. You know, we've started with activity and breeding purposes, but now it's looking at inline milk sensors, whether, you know, fat protein, uh, you know, somatic cell or conductivity is going to be a big one if they can get those right. You know, there's always talk about progesterone, uh, MUNs, uh, NIFAs, all of that stuff in milk to start getting a lot more data on cows. And I think that's where the next generation is going, is looking at uh, milking systems, because it's, there's so many cows, and we can collect so much data on those cows. And, you know, that's what I, well, we'll talk about what we've done at Morris. You know, we started that probably a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago, we Upgraded our milking equipment uh, that now includes inline fat, protein, lactose. Uh, it does conductivity, you know, does the basics. But at some point, they may include progesterone and others. So, and it's nice to look at. To see, we use the conductivity for uh, trying to figure out mastitis in some of our cows. So it's 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 not perfect, but it's uh, it gives a good idea.
0: Another tool for the toolbox.
2: Another tool. That's right. That's right, and it's coming in. In you know, you think about uh, robotic systems. That's going to come in robots where farmer can walk into their office and look at the the robot system and find out. Well, they they have conductivity in those already, but uh, mm-hmm. we need to get it to measure somatic cell count and pregnancy, and then um, some of those other aspects. Uh, you know, NEFAS at calving time uh, to manage transition cows and. Um, There's so much information we can get from these, but sometimes it's too much information.
1: Yeah, that's a big piece of this is that you get so much information, and now you know I'm I'm particularly interested in inline sensors a lot because of of what it means for veterinarians and preg checking. Mm -hmm. You know, I I've been trying to tell my colleagues for a long time that uh, arming cows is gonna go away. It's going to go away or i mean it, it's, it's going to be vastly reduced from what we do now as veterinarians and uh everyone has to be ready for it and if you look at how fast the sensor game happened you know bradley's talking about 10 years ago right. there was one system in the us and it maybe worked you know pretty good but you know not it wasn't optimized especially for a grazing system and then 10 years later we've got the market saturated and everything's working very, very well. So I get really, you know, just a shout out to veterinarians out there. You need to be ready to not palpit cows all day and do something else.
2: Uh, yeah, I,
0: that was I, a weird warning.
2: <laughs> I know. I, you just gotta be ready for it. I I agree, Joe. It's you know, and well, you you know, and we've said before on this podcast that I do check some cows based on milk uh, through DHIA and. Uh, that's an advantage that they have. And you can send those in right when you have a DHI test. So, but just think when that moves from a DHI perspective, what is it, uh, $6 or something for a milk pregnancy test now, I think somewhere in there. Uh, But if you can move that to the farm and it's 10 cents a cow every single day or, you know, virtually a penny a cow, it revolutionizes everything. So now you can be measuring... Pregnancy every single day on every single cow.
1: Yeah, it's it's an amazing technology, and like you said, I mean, if the industry turns their focus on that, it's going to happen very quickly. You know, there's there's just too many people working on it, and there's a lot of money at stake. Uh, I think it's it's going to happen pretty quick. I think it's I think it's a good thing. Any progress like that. Uh, obviously, the dairy industry has had some tough years, and any way that can that can improve uh, what's happening on the dairy, but. Like you said there's so much data now you got to worry about how are you going to interpret all of that and really you know figure out how to to deal with information overload really do you what what are you guys thinking i mean you probably look at however many different systems every day and all the information there how do you guys really pare it down to what you need
2: (laughs) well that's a that's the that's the question of the century if we could figure out how to manage all this data and all these uh, one, one, one problem that I see right now is we, we have a lot of sensor systems because we're looking at them from a research perspective. So every sensor system has a, a computer, but even if you, you know, if we, if you had a milking parlor, uh, with our milking system, uh, affy milk and a different sensor system, you have to have two computers in your office because they don't talk to each other. So that's the problem I see is most farm, you know, you come into our, our, a dairy barn office we have five computers in there because and they're all running a separate sensor system uh so it can be overwhelming and you know which one are we check in today but but then on the regular farm you have probably one system but it's still a lot of information you know and how much time do you spend working through those if you're looking at rumination you know, and you have 10 cows pop up on the health list, do you go check them, you know, how much time do you spend looking through all of the data? For our milking system, we spend 15, 20 minutes just to make sure things are working well and if a cow needs attention, but we don't spend a lot of time because you could sit down and spend eight hours a day looking through all of the data that you get from these systems and still not figure out what you're trying to do with it. So we need to better centralize everything and, and figure out what's important for farmers from these systems and what should they look at uh, as key measures. That's the big thing, because the, the data, will, it'll, it will overwhelm you fast if you uh, don't know what, what you're looking for. I still get overwhelmed looking at them.
0: Bradley J. Hines, you are tenured <laughs> and you have a PhD. I know. How could you possibly get overwhelmed? By I, am,
2: I am overwhelmed by looking at this data sometimes. I just, Is it because you're old? You probably. It's my birthday. So, yeah, probably.
1: I think I've seen that a lot, uh, even with one system. Farmers are, they'll get fed up with how much data is there and, and it's overwhelming. And uh, I think there's a tendency to return to what you know, uh, which is to just go look at the cows. Uh, and walk through them yourselves and I think there's a lot of value in that I really do Uh, I mean is there a danger Bradley in leaning on these this technology too much or is there something that we can't replace with a sensor that you really need to be doing
2: well you you still can't replace just going out and look at the cows you know and and do you need a expensive sensor system to do that I think it's a management tool. There's our, you know, one of our, we're, we're just throwing out the management. words left and right here today. It's a management tool. And, and I think it helps distinguish those cows. It may, uh, that cows or heifers that may get sick or you need to check on. Um, but sometimes you, you know, and we've done that. I've done that myself. You, the the a cow shows up on the list and you go out and look and it's like, yeah, yeah, she looks fine. You know? So it's, It's another tool to help you go look at them.
0: And I will will say, I think, you know, all three of us are cow people, I would say. And for me, like, yeah, the sensors are great, but you do still need to be making an effort to do that observation because like, you just cannot replace what your eyes will tell you.
2: That's right. And even with calves, you know, we we have some sensors on calves and you have,
0: especially with calves, I feel like
2: an automatic calf feeder and. A lot of people think if you get an auto feeder, you just walk away and the calves will do their thing. And you just look at the computer and that's the wrong thing.
0: No. Yeah. You should be checking the calves every day. And so, yeah.
2: Yeah. Checking cows, checking calves are these, since these uh, systems just don't replace that. So. Right. I think they save somewhat on, on labor. You know, we, uh, we, we have a different Mm -hmm. system that has, um, solar powered routers that, you know, can beam data back from a mile and a half away, you know, in the summertime when we have heifers way out on pasture and we're breeding heifers, it really saves on time for our workers because, you know, now they can look at the computer and kind of, okay, well, these four heifers need to be bred today and they can, you know, bring the semen down and bring what they need to. Otherwise before they'd have to run you know two miles away check to see who's in heat if there's any in heat then they run back to the barn and go okay well this is what we need and then they run back over there again so you know by all the running around <laughs> it's you've a got whole an thing and wasted time and right so uh, the, this you know particular sensor for our heifers has probably saved an hour a day at least in just being able to focus on what what we you know who needs to be bred or whatever obviously you know, you could see other things, but it, it gives you a better idea of what's going to happen uh, instead of, you know, just running haphazardly all over the place, trying to breed a bunch of heifers.
1: The biggest piece of it for me is efficiency. I think it does create more efficient labor. And, and I really love a lot of these sensors because it, if you're paying attention to the sensors and you're combining it with what you see and you're observing yourself out in the barn, uh, you can learn a ton. In my opinion, it makes you a better observer of cow behavior and all these other things because you start to connect the dots and what the sensor is telling you and what you're seeing in person. And then you can start to pick things up, you know, without the computer, or maybe that the computer didn't pick up, you know. And that's that's really where I think some of this value is. I think it it can help you become a better dairyman.
0: All right. Are you ready for this, Bradley? So I wanna know, Dr. Bradley J. Hines what is on his wish list for sensors as far as where you'd like to see them going like what's to you the perfect sensor what would it be like what modality would it take and then what data would it record
2: oh boy oh he's thinking uh, well i think you got different sensors for different animal groups so you got heifers and cows are separate they won't do the same thing but You might well have a sensor that's going to include it all. So I want one that's going to measure activity for fertility, one that's going to measure eating behavior or health. I want some sort of sensor that's going to be able to detect body temperature, you know, so I can look at that for cows. I want to detect uh, eating behavior, how a cow eats, uh, you know, how many bites they're taking during the day, when they drink water. I also want to know the location of the animal. So. Yes. Can I look on my computer and figure out where cow number one is? I want to know exactly where she is right now, right, right on my smartphone. And I want one that's going to be able to detect health problems relatively with 24 hours before something happens in a cow. That's that's what I, or or a heifer, you know. And if you think about it from the cows, yeah, I want to measure milk and and fat and protein, somatic cell count, fertility status, health status, all kinds of measures. And I'm not talking about just BHBAs and milk pregnancy. I want to measure fatty acids on that milk. Every single milking on the cow, I want to measure 43 fatty acids on that milk every time a cow comes through the parlor. Uh, So I know exactly what is happening in that cow from a nutritional standpoint. Uh, And I want to know exactly what the cow's eating every day, how much she's eating every single day and be able to tell that from a sensor.
0: Do you like an ear tag do you like bracelets do you like a bolus uh
2: well right now i think uh an ear tag or some sort of internal one is preferred uh sometimes okay. uh you know we we have we have pedometers on our cows now and you know they take a little bit of management and if they're in the mud and you know they get caked with you know, six inches of mud on them. And, you know, so it takes maintenance for all stuff. I want to, wherever you place the sensor, I want it to be low maintenance or no maintenance. Mm. So figure out where where you want to put it. So I don't have to maintain it. I can look at a computer and tell me whether it's working. That's another, that's my other key thing. I want to be able to look at the computer and tell me if that sensor is working or not, because it's sometimes with all of these systems, it is not easy to figure out if, A whether a cow has a sensor on or not, and if she has one on, is it actually working correctly? Without trying to page through a whole bunch of stuff to figure that out, can be a challenge. If If somebody have any
0: tech startups listening, email us at the moose room. That's t h e m o o s r o m at umn.edu. Yeah, I have
1: a. I have the list. I tried to write it down as Bradley was going. Oh, nice. So we've got. uh, uh, We need activity for breeding, feeding behavior, body temp water consumption, their actual real time location, uh, potentially environmental conditions uh, around the cow, health issues, uh, and really focusing on prevention of those, everything to do with milk quality, and uh, also using that to predict mastitis, all 43 fatty acids, every milking, exactly how much they're eating, how many bites they're taking, ruminations, and then all of that wrapped into a low or no maintenance sensor.
2: That's, that's not too yes.
0: bad. All of that. It.
2: And I want it to be less than $100 per cow or f- less than $50 per cow.
1: Okay. It's Brad wants
0: you. it for free.
1: Complete list. Complete list. <laughs> oh, yeah, Brad I'll, I'll will help you develop free. it if you give it to him for free.
0: Yeah. That's right. And you have to name it after him.
1: Yes, it has to be the, uh, not just the, the Heinz, Heinz, monitor. Heinz monitor. No, it can't be just no. the Heinz monitor. It has oh, to be the God. Dr. Bradley oh, J. No, God, J. God. Heinz monitor. <laughs> exactly. Okay. okay. Well, good deal. We'll call That's, it
0: the tenured
2: professor.
1: oh that is a great That's name. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Low great
2: maintenance. Name. Does lots of stuff.
1: I might cut that out, so no. Oh, just like idea.
0: Bradley himself.
1: Yeah. Low maintenance. Yeah. Does everything. <laughs>
0: does everything.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Okay. I think that we're gonna wrap it there. We've got a little bit more that you know about Bradley now, and what Bradley wants to see happening in the future. Uh, If you have comments about this, any other thing that Bradley left off his list, or if you just want to say happy birthday to Bradley, email us.
0: At themoosroom at umn.edu. That's That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. And no, Joe, I don't need you anymore. I will continue closing this episode. You can find us on Facebook at UMN Dairy and at UMN Beef. You can find us on Twitter at UMN room and at UMN Farm Safety. You can also find us on YouTube, university of minnesota (laughs) extension fire and safety and health and uh u of m extension beef and dairy or something like that i think
1: that was uh quite impressive i will not lie thank you everybody maybe
0: i should take over doing this
2: that's fine yeah thank you for listening everybody. as a reminder to everybody on my birthday bash jersey and hereford are number one yet thank you that's true i I will will.
0: i will allow it in this episode only (laughs) for Bradley's birthday bash <laughs> but well, for real Bradley happy birthday <laughs> yes, happy we birthday. love you we are so thrilled that we got to spend your birthday with you
2: honestly. so absolutely thank you I enjoyed it
1: all right thank you everyone for listening we will uh, we'll catch you next week bye huh.
0: happy, happy birthday, birthday to, you. to you happy birthday, birthday.
1: Happy birthday birthday to you, Bradley Bradley (laughs) Hines.
0: Happy birthday to you. you.
1: Wow, that was so patchy and distorted (laughs) from all of us doing it at the same time. I loved it.